This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 156, The Future of Hypnosis Training. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Hey there and welcome back. It's Jason Lynette here this week with a solo session specifically sharing some thoughts, some projections, and let's call it out some predictions in terms of where I see the education of the hypnotic process advancing in the coming years. And inside of this, there's seven specific points, seven specific ideas that this is all going to be shaped around in terms of how it is we go about learning the work that it is we do to then get out there and help people in a one-to-one basis. And what I'd mention inside of this is that we find ourselves first and foremost already at an incredible renaissance of how it is that people interact with hypnosis. There's beautiful news stories almost every single day in terms of people overcoming things, people creating some outstanding results. There is an incredible renaissance of information, information on demand, the opportunity to learn something and get access to it immediately. There are several now outstanding conventions that are out there to go out there and whether it's to get specific trainings, get specific focused learning, or just to simply network with your community and talk shop with fellow like-minded people. So we already find ourselves at an incredible launching point. And yet there are some specific points that I think we should all have in mind in terms of how we can advance this even further. So in this presentation, seven specific bullet points all around the future of hypnosis training. And as we're talking about hypnosis training, I personally invite you to come out to some of the trainings I've got coming up soon. And specifically, we've got Work Smart NLP that at its core is an NLP practitioner training and certification program. Though as I interact with fellow people in our communities, I'd often hear too much that people are caught up in the jargon, the language of NLP, the uh, actual moments of being able to point at something and say, that's a non-specified referential index. Yeah, but what are you going to do with it? So inside of WorkSmart NLP, it's perhaps the most hands-on interactive course that I do, where you're deep diving into these strategies, workshopping them constantly throughout the course, and really working to build that confidence and that ability to actually put these techniques into use. Check the details out on that by going over to WorkSmartNLP.com. On the hypnosis training side of things, check out WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. It's a live training and certification course specifically geared to help you become confident and competent in your hypnosis skills. I meet too many people that are dependent upon scripts, too many people that are dependent upon one specific protocol, one specific process, and the Work Smart Hypnosis live training is specifically geared all around building those custom protocols for your clients. So not just learning a whole bunch of things to put in the toolbox, but actually how do you put this all to use, which is where very frequently in the courses, I've got an even mixture of people who are brand new to hypnosis and looking at getting trained and certified, as well as people who have perhaps trained somewhere else. And now they're looking at how do you put this all together? How do you get started? And this course often becomes that launching board. And you've heard many previous students as guests here on this program. Check that out at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. And with that, let's jump directly in. This is session number 156, The Future of Hypnosis Training. Let's jump directly into the first point, that of formulas over protocols. And the best way to explain this is that I feel that many hypnosis trainings out there are what I would consider to be top-down learning. And what I mean by that is they often take the shape of, let's talk about quit smoking. Here's what you do for that. Let's talk about fear of public speaking. Here's what you do for that. Let's talk about weight loss. Here's what you do for that. And it begins to build this uh, sort of protocol mindset that each and everything is its own separate issue. Which, yes, of course, there are specific considerations for any change that's going to be out there. Certain things, certain nuances you've picked up. Ways that there are certain action steps. The way that, for example, I've found it massively beneficial to have the stop smoking process kick off with the client throwing out their cigarettes. Ways that, uh, here's a random anecdote, if you're working with somebody and sleep problems are part of the issue, you ask them if they've ever heard of sleep hygiene. 
And if they haven't, that's when you'd recommend, well, there's a thing you can look up yourself online and read about. There might be some good tips in that. And if they've already interacted with it, you don't bring it up anymore because it probably didn't work for them. So again, there's specific considerations inside of each and every issue. Though what I encourage instead, formulas over protocols to think about the learning of hypnosis as more process-based learning instead of top-down learning. Because what I found this often does is it begins to compartmentalize a lot of different techniques of saying that's only good for that, that's only good for that. You know, I've heard people, you've probably seen me online, there's a whole application of uh, hypnotic glove anesthesia that I do, which is not even now a pain relief strategy for me. It's one that I'm using in terms of resolving uh, physical, emotional states. So this moment where they feel that stress, where they feel that worry, where they feel that fear in their body, I'm going to be using that classic pain relief strategy as a mechanism to resolve and dissolve a negative emotional state. So to look at it in terms of process, what is this doing? What action is this satisfying? You know, the whole mindset of various strategies where to go into it again by labeling something as being one issue specific. Um, you know, thinking of others, some would say that parts therapy is only for secondary gain, which no, there's many other applications for that. So to look at it in terms of, again, what does this process accomplish? What does this process make use of? And of course, let's throw a metaphor into this mix that it's a couple of weeks ago and we had this leaking faucet in our home that uh, as many YouTube videos as we could personally watch, we could not get it fixed ourselves. And eventually having to bring out a plumber who is then under our sink for half an hour because he can't get it either. And then finally says, um, hey, it's nice outside. Why don't you take your kids out for a couple of minutes? Because he's walking in with this giant industrial saw blade. Uh, and he's going to have to just completely dismantle everything from the bottom and just, it was all the original plumbing from when, we, when the house was built 30, 40 years ago. So it just all had to come out, which chances are what I'm getting at here is that specific saw is probably something he really hasn't had to use in terms of just replacing a faucet. In fact, I asked him and he goes, yeah, that was the best attached thing I've ever seen. And he cracked a joke. At least it wouldn't leak, which yeah, the bottom underneath wouldn't leak the top was which may have been connected plumbing references aside getting into this mindset though that this one technique is good for one specific issue no no not at all so to look at the learning of hypnosis to introduce a strategy at times and then open it up for discussion in the class this is where the learning really really takes place i found to say that okay so we've discussed this one technique in the context of this specific issue how would you apply it for that issue? How would you apply it for that issue? In fact, as I'm looking over uh, my bullet points here in, these, uh, in this presentation here, a lot of this is what eradicates that virus I see out there of, I need a script for this, I need a script for that. You know, where people will call in sometimes for things you've never heard of before. And not to say it might be some weird unexplained medical condition that, yes, perhaps you should be screening the uh, referral letter by the doctor before jumping into that. I mean, some everyday normal annoying occurrence that would pop up where suddenly this is bothering me. Suddenly when I'm, you know, listening to the radio, this song gets stuck in my head. And these are some of the issues that have actually come into my office in recent months. So... To begin to build that greater flexibility for the practitioner that here is this one technique and here are the many ways it can be applied. Nobody puts hypnotic strategies in the corner. Thank you, Dirty Dancing. I just enlightened about 10% of the audience here. So let's with that jump into bullet point number two, the future of hypnosis training, which this does relate to the previous one. Point two, context rather than content. Which again, yes, of course, there are specific issues that have specific considerations. Certain things you would do, for example, with the weight loss client, I've found incredible benefit of just what I refer to as the nuts and bolts of the process. How are your portion sizes? When is it you're eating when you're not even hungry? What about exercise? What are those things you'd like to be doing? What foods would you like to have more of? What foods would you have to like to have less of? Which this gives us the content that we need. But again, to look at the process of hypnosis in a more contextual point of view, which in my opinion, it all comes down to four specific questions. And from these four questions, 
you could be working on something that you do not have personal experience directly with and be massively effective with it. So the four questions, how do you feel now? How would you rather feel? What are those things you're doing now? And what are those things you would rather be doing? And from that, I mean, over the years, here's the one that's coming in. And I, I've told the story, I'm sure here before her husband's jaw clicks when he eats, he won't go to the dentist and she wants his clicking jaw to not bother him. Yeah, find a script for that. So to look at it of more of a contextual point of view, okay, let's pause for a moment. I work with a lot of people who are transplants to this Washington DC area, and they're not used to the sound of three major airports and an air force base all in close proximity. They're now in an apartment somewhere downtown Washington DC and the sound is keeping them up at night. And this is a frequent thing that I work with now, but I can apply those same principles over to the woman with the clicking jaw husband. The same as looking at suddenly here comes the one that is coming in that, yes, I've worked with a lot of people for quitting smoking. Yes, a ton of people for chewing tobacco. But there's one specific style of chewing tobacco that's popular over in the Middle East. It's somehow a mixture of the standard chewing tobacco and uh, it's like the uh, aniseeds, like the little uh, bowl of uh, almost licorice smelling stuff you'd find at an Indian restaurant. It's this mixture that's somewhere between the two of them. And suddenly I had a bunch of people coming in wanting to quit that. And again, to look at it in terms of context rather than content, what is it that I already know how to do that is similar to this? So it's this mechanism of to throw some NLP language at you, chunking up to say, what is this like? What is this an example of? And then chunk down to their specific issue. That quite honestly, as soon as you begin to build this greater contextual mindset in terms of how it is we address the hypnotic change, we become even more effective at it because we're not getting caught up in the individual details. I don't know how to do that uh, back handspring round off move in gymnastics, yet I can help you do that because you know how to do it. It's where I'd use the catchphrase that there only needs to be one expert in the room. And this applies to both sides of it at times. I can be the expert on the hypnosis side. And now here's this athlete who's the expert at what she does. And thank you, Laura King, for this little nuance. Hey, uh, pull up your phone for a moment and show me a YouTube video clip of someone doing that so I have the frame of reference as to what this is. And I've got the context there. I've got the details. Now we can begin to put it all together. So again, to look at the process of hypnosis in a much more flexible mindset, Rather than, oh no, I've got someone calling for something simple that I cannot go on the internet and find or buy a script for. Again, if we have formulas, if we have the mindset of this greater contextual mindset, we become even more flexible in our change process. And with that in mind, point number three, this may sound familiar because I just used the word flexibility instead of absolutism, which first and foremost Listen to the statement very carefully. Never, ever, ever use absolutes. And yes, that statement was an absolute. So take this with uh, as much importance as you will. So there's a virus out there, I'd feel, of the magic method. If you don't use this one technique, you're not going to get results. If you don't address this one specific thing, you're not going to get results. So I I'd give you a story, an example on this, which I'm going to generalize out for obvious purposes because it's actually a good friend of mine. Uh, it's the story of he's working with somebody uh, for an issue involving uh, eating too much sugar, eating too many sugary items, which that's a common thing that we'd often work with and very frequent theme that pops up with uh, weight loss, which inside of that, they're now going through this process. And here is this admittedly powerful, hypnotic, emotional intervention that he's working to do. And she is just not going with it. She is just refusing, which from the school of thought he was trained in, that meant that, oh, no, she's not motivated. She doesn't want to produce the change. She's not ready to do the work necessary, which maybe. Uh, although, as I heard more of the story, as he called me and asked for advice, I'm hearing more and more of the detail that, you know, it, it's not necessarily this deep, dark emotional issue that here she is. And people can let me call it out. People can just get into patterns. People can fall into habits. People can fall into what's easy and they just keep doing that. And it may be some sort of deep emotional issue that needs to be resolved. But then again, sometimes it isn't. 
So here he was stalling out because she's refusing to process this one vital step in this emotional intervention change. He calls up and goes, what, do you, what, what should I do? And I respond, why don't you help her with the sugar thing? And indeed, the next session they went in, he made use of a hypnotic phenomenon moment. The arm is stiff and rigid as you allow yourself to go inside and resolve whatever needs resolving in order to, he's being extremely direct, but also very indirect at the same time. As you go in and resolve whatever needs to be done to release the hold the sugar has had over you, that's when that arm will easily relax on down. And in a wonderful ratcheting style, he told me the arm slowly lowered down and she's resolved the issue and lost a substantial amount of weight. So, but wait a minute. No, he didn't use this other technique, so it didn't work, right? Well, no, he did. And keeping up with the client from hearing from him recently, there's an update. She's still successful at it. So it's where to look at it in terms of if you're following this, it has to be done this way. Again, my disclaimer, my sort of theme of the keynotes I gave at hypnosis conventions in 2017, we've only been calling this process hypnosis for a little under 150 years. So we're a little too young to fall prey to the, it has to be done this way. We've always done it this way school of thought. Flexibility instead of absolutism. I can think of clients that I've worked with that, yes, we delve deep into all those emotional triggers. And meanwhile, here's someone else that, in the words of Roy Hunter, uh, every session turned out to be positive trance trip because they were responding wonderfully to direct suggestion, hypnosis, and positive imagery. And if that's getting the result and that's sticking, high five, keep it up. You're doing fantastic. It's where even back to Roy Hunter, as much as he's known for parts therapy, if you've ever done training with him, he'd tell you that he only uses that maybe with about 20, 25% of his clients. So these tools are absolutely vital. There are people in my office that, oh yeah, we're going there with the hypnotic age regression, uncover the core issue, resolve it, rebuild it, pace it forward. There's people who come in that, yes, we're going into a timeline intervention, we're going into a parts intervention, we're going into all these very important, very effective strategies. But again, flexibility, flexibility, flexibility. So to not fall virus to this, not fall prey to this virus of the absolute magic method that you need this one specific thing. It's where the practitioner can really transcend the technique. As I look at some of the people that I've really learned the most from in the hypnotic profession, it's the phrasing that, yes, the entire process is hypnosis and just simply the interaction. If we want to label it as being conversational hypnosis, the way that we build up the process prior to close your eyes, follow my instructions, the way we can build up the process after open your eyes and you feel good. So keep track of how well things go in the week ahead. The moment where, again, it's that interaction. It's the number of studies that are out there where rapport was often the deciding factor as to how effective the strategy was. Because back to the plumber tearing apart my bathroom sink, he could have used one of many other tools. And basically, it was taking too long to use the standard tools. So he decided just to rip everything out and replace it and charge us the same amount because he goes, I already have the stuff out in the van. See that he already had the tools. He already had the flexibility in that moment, and here's another way to get there. So it's where in our hypnosis trainings, this is where there's a moment where inside of my Work Smart Hypnosis Live, we do a whole section called workshopping session structure, which this is, I found to be vitally important and honestly a place where the confidence just explodes with that new student. Because at this point in the class, we've all got a data bank. We've all got that toolbox of here's a bunch of strategies. And then I'm pulling out client case studies in a very generalized way, of course, and giving the basic idea, okay, it's a father of three kids and another one's on the way, and he's getting tired of sneaking out to quit smoking. Uh, he's got some health concerns. He wants to get back into running. And then here is the story as to why this guy wants to quit smoking. And then as it often frame it in the class, we suddenly become the 15-headed practitioner and we're going around the room in a random style and people are building the session protocol step by step. Okay, you just did a control room process and now let's bounce over to Robert. Robert, what do you want to do next? Okay, Robert wants to do this um, benefits approach, straight line transformation type thing. Now let's move over here. Okay, and now Susie wants to do a uh, regression to the first cigarette process. Beautiful. And we're building it all together, which then after that, that's when I show you step by step. Here's what I did 
in the session, which is not to say that yours is inferior and mine is phenomenal. No, it's actually to point out here are two viable strategies of going about this session. And you've got options. You've got different choices. It's where we have that flexibility that we're allowed to do the work differently from one to the other. So again, flexibility instead of absolutism. And this next point, point number four, is one that uh, I don't intend to ruffle feathers on this one, though I think this is the phrase that just keeps popping up, especially as I have folks that have done training somewhere else, somewhere where they more followed the books line by line, word by word, and repeated a lot of old beliefs, as opposed to, let me just call out the category, common sense over old beliefs which I'll share two specific references of this. Uh, one of which, actually, this was a beautiful moment in a one-day event that I did about two weeks ago where I was talking around my theme is if you were trained in an old school of thought that would say to classify your client as either needing an authoritarian or permissive approach, throw that old garbage out the window because it's time we update that. Because point number one, which is I gave this speech as I talked about what I'm about to share with you. I'll throw in some education here too. Um, woman in the group suddenly raises her hand and says, honestly, thank you from the bottom of my heart. That was what I was trained to do. And I felt so uncomfortable. It felt so out of character. Thank you. That's the one message that I needed. And it became a real epiphany, a real turning point for this person. First and foremost, the moment, in my opinion, the moment you classify your client in some way, that because they're of military background, it means this, that because they come from this experience, it means that, because they hold this role, it means this. Um, you know, that's where we're only hypnotizing ourselves to believe the process may be more difficult than it needs to be. So common sense over old beliefs. Here's my update on this. We can be permissively authoritative, or we can be authoritatively permissive. And here's what I mean by that. Think back to your education if you've gone through Dr. John Hartland's ego strengthening process, uh, where he is delivering some rather deliberate negative suggestions. But because of the tonality rhythm that he's built, they work. So you become much less fearful and apprehensive, much less worried about others. So he's emphasizing the de-emphasis words and dropping the tonality of the negative words. How can we put this into use? put it in the context of hypnotic uh, in interventions in terms of using phenomenon. So the more you try to bend that arm, that thing just gets even stronger. Notice that the more you try to bend that thing, it just gets even stronger. So I'm de-emphasizing the result that I don't want and emphasizing the result that I do want. Here's the process applied to a session I did just this past week. So the more you try to recreate that fearful sensation in your body, notice that laughter just begins to rise even greater, even stronger. So I'm weakening one, I'm strengthening the other. So to recognize that we as hypnotists have range, I'd refer to it as look at the Dave Elman style of delivery, where it often just kind of begins conversational. And then from this conversational approach, I could begin to bring the energy up, putting more intention, more focus, more power into my words. But I also have that ability to bring the voice down and to begin to bring into that more quiet moment because as you walk out that door today, as you feel that temperature of the air outside, you're going to begin to notice this. You're going to begin to notice that. And it gives me that range. So again, to look at it as a much more flexible process, which the side note to that little demo there was that what is the appropriate tonality of hypnotic suggestion? Well, the appropriate tonality is whatever is appropriate for the suggestions being given. So a little bit more of a common sense application to how it is we talk to the client. I had a workshop one time where here's this guy who was the whisper talker. Everything he did was down here and would just get really close into the demo sessions and talking at this level. And it was kind of funny because you'd watch people in these practice sessions slowly trying to inch their chair closer because they couldn't hear him. Uh, <laughs> let your voice be heard, but also recognize that this is the emotional tool that we have in terms of delivering our suggestions. And again, we can deliver both the permissive and the authoritarian at the same time. And the difference between the two doesn't have to be soft and weak versus loud and domineering. No, it's the simple shift of you may towards you will. The difference between you might be noticing this to now that sensation is moving through your body. 
It's where often as I'm getting into my authoritarian voice, I'm actually smiling more because that's bringing more humor. It's bringing more laughter into it. Because if I have you in the moment of uh, a hand stuck to the chair phenomenon, let's call it out. If that's freaking you out in a negative way, that's probably not going to be beneficial. Yet, if you're kind of laughing as terms of, hey, that's something that usually doesn't happen. Hey, open your eyes. Look at that thing. It sticks even tighter. Yeah, look at it. It sticks even tighter. And of course, then bringing it into the context of a hypnotic change. If I'm my characterization of this, if I'm in the movie theater seat next to you watching this really cool thing happen, that drives you deeper into the phenomenon. And if I'm going to the old school authoritarian, try to lower your arm and you cannot. That's where part of the mind consciously calls out BS and then just lowers it on down. So authoritatively permissive, permissively authoritative. Here's another example of common sense over old beliefs. You have to uncross your feet because it blocks a clean flow of energy. The hell does that mean? So as we look at that example, I'd give you with full credit and with full respect for other modalities of work. Here is a moment in a class where a student of mine is an energy healer, and she gives a very succinct, very specific answer as to exactly why that may be the case. And for those of you that don't know the reference, you'd often see this of uh, you have to uncross your feet for the hypnosis, for the hypnosis process. Uh, you can't have your legs crossed, which maybe is a compliance trick, the way that some stage hypnotists will move people around to different chairs as a mechanism of training compliance. And in my school of thought, compliance precedes suggestibility. I need you following a set of instructions before it can ever lead into hypnotic suggestions. So perhaps that's the reason why. But no, some people would hold dear this idea that if the ankles are crossed, it blocks the hypnotic suggestion. And again, respectfully or disrespectfully, what the heck does that mean? So back to this moment in a class, a student gives a rather educated, very logical explanation as to why if the ankles are crossed, it may be blocking this, it may be blocking that. To which I have to follow up with, yes, that may be absolutely viable, but which is more powerful? The blocking of the energy systems of the body because the ankles are crossed versus the, you've heard of placebo, where someone makes something work that usually wouldn't work. Well, there's also nocebo. So what about the mental nocebo of, my feet are really uncomfortable and I really want to move them, but I can't because that will make this process not work, which will overpower the other. So places of bringing in some just common sense thinking to go, if I was the one in the chair, uh, guys in my office a couple of years back, and suddenly we're about to begin, I know he's done hypnosis before elsewhere, but he suddenly looks nervous and he asks me, are you going to take away my glasses? And I have to just common sense respond, why? You're going to sit in a dark room with your eyes closed. And he goes, well, the last person I worked with took my glasses away for the session, and it made me very uncomfortable. And Do, do you feel more comfortable with them on? Yes, I would. Uh, all right, keep them on. And, and that's as simple as that interaction was. Before I had lasers shot into my eyeballs and make me see better without my glasses, I was practically blind without them. So common sense, bring that into the process. And Taking a, looking, you know, taking a look at certain criteria, let's throw this into the system too, of hypnotizability based on age range. Everything, in my opinion, comes down to willing to change. I have had more motivated 14-year-olds in my office than 54-year-olds. I have had wonderful 64-year-old clients and horrible 14-year-old clients who were there kicking and screaming and telling mom I didn't want to do this, which that was a very quick meeting. That's only happened once, actually. It's a long story, though. So bringing in some common sense into terms of how we address this process. So it's we're actually encouraged take a positive yet respectful, if not cynical point of view to some of these things that have been said and said and said for so many years. Again, we've only been calling this process hypnosis for less than 150 years. It's time we update some of this thinking. And with that, let's move to point number five, quality over quantity. Oh boy. So understand what I'm about to share is actually not specific to any one organization, any one specific training that's out there, because it seems to be an overview that different groups are increasing their hours. Some groups are actually reducing their hours. This idea that the number of hours 
is quality. The number of hours is the measurement in terms of how good something is, where you'd hear some people getting criticized that their um, event is, you know, here's this stage hypnosis training that's two days. Here's this stage hypnosis training that's 10 days. Here's this uh, course that lasts this many hours. Here's that course. You, you get the basic idea here. What I'm getting at is this. I can personally name uh, eight or nine day events I've gone to that would have been a phenomenal four-day event. I can name one-day workshops that I've attended that I could have spent a whole week inside of, and there was so much to be learned, so much to be practiced, so much to really nuance inside of the process. Here are two-day post-convention offerings I've attended that really could have been satisfied in a good prepared uh, two-hour workshop during the convention. Uh, I can name people I sat and had lunch with um, you know, for 45 minutes and something they said just stuck and changed everything that I did. I can name podcasts that I've recorded that we may have only gone for 45 minutes during the conversation, yet it could have gone for hours and hours and so much amazing quality content would have come out of that. So it's where I see in the future, I don't have the specific uh, frame of reference to say this is the way it has to go. This is again, a theme of where things are shifting quality of skills. Can a person actually do this technique? Can a person actually make use of this strategy? So it's where I'd often point out, you know, inside of NLP, for example, there's often a, a trade-off at times of a book learning versus a street smarts style of training, where here's someone who can point at something and say that's a non-specified referential index and get caught up in all the jargon that's often inside of neurolinguistic programming. Yet here's someone who can actually put that language pattern to use and let it become effective, let it become influential. So there's a shift that needs to occur, not just over to the quality of the training instead of the quantity of the hours and the days, but a real perspective as to are these skills actually being integrated? Are these skills actually being put into use? It's where the final days of my training, I've expedited how I often go through a lot of the book learning of the process because there's a more implicit style of training sometimes where a person can be practicing a session, practicing a specific technique, and that's planting the seeds of a specific context, which then from there, we don't have to spend an hour lecturing on the signs of hypnosis. It becomes a 10-minute point, a teaching point because we'll think back to that demo that we just did. And remember when I highlighted the fluttering of the eyelids? Okay, there was that. When I did the arm levitation, you saw the slow jerky movements in motion. So the difference between show and tell, as I'd often say, can fall into play here. So moments where, again, the more hands-on the experience, the more the stuff is happening in the room, the more the information is being absorbed and really put to use, that's what I think the measurement really needs to be. Skill sets, strengths, and strategies, and techniques, and different induction methods, different deepening methods, the efficacy of how they can run a change process as opposed to because they hit this number of hours magically, that means they're now good at what they do. Um, it's where to look at it in terms of how this information is presented. I think it's a sequencing issue too. It, this goes back to that uh, point that I mentioned earlier in terms of top-down learning, that we can begin to teach in such a way that we're demonstrating what's about to be learned. You'd hear people often use the catchphrase of, I use NLP when I'm teaching NLP and that speeds it up. And there's one part of the community that says, that's not a thing. They're just saying that to qualify a short course. N no, they're really delivering it. They're really doing it. And that's how I've kind of reorganized the, the content that I cover in my hypnosis training. So I'm covering, quote, the, the stuff I'm supposed to teach, yet by doing it in a slightly different order, Suddenly now, here comes a demo, which then we can refer back to time and time again, because the students need a frame of reference, which briefly, for those of you ever giving a presentation at a convention, um, start with the demo, please. Uh, don't spend, because this is what I see instead. Uh, someone spends 35 minutes setting up what they're about to do, and the audience is confused because they don't have the frame of reference, then suddenly, oh dear, I only have 12 minutes to do this demo, and then they rush it. Kick off with the demo. Do the demo first. Before I teach what I'm here to share with you, let me do a quick demo, which is going to give you the frame of reference that's going to help me to teach what I'm about to share with you even better.
And suddenly now there's a common through line. Suddenly now there's a frame of reference that everybody has. Okay, so that slow jerky movement, you saw that when I was doing the arm levitation. So it's again, a shifting of how the information is delivered that allows a much more quality experience instead of focusing on a number of hours or a number of days being a magical phenomenon. And so here comes point number six, continuous feedback instead of solo learning, which I would easily share with you. My career as a hypnotist began because of solo learning, reading as many books as I could find, watching as many videos as I can get my hands on, and quite honestly, uh, doing one of my first stage hypnosis demonstrations, uh, even without any formal live education. And um, aside from a hard drive crash, which made me lose most of that content, the program, from my recollection, was really good. Uh, the people were hypnotized. People were safe. I was doing some audience management, some volunteer management, um, you know, even in terms of certain techniques that, again, we find ourselves in an incredible renaissance where information can be picked up on demand. You know, previous guest on the program, Anthony Jackwin, we were talking about his and his father's strategy, The Arrow, which that's something I learned and I now use within my client sessions thanks to purchasing that MP4 video uh, from the Jackwins. So there's an incredible benefit to be able to go out and find information and learn it on your own. However, the concept of continuous feedback in the hypnosis training experience is what I found to be vitally important. So that opportunity where the instructor or maybe the instructor's assistant is there monitoring live practice. So yes, take note, I'm still insisting there be live training. However, there needs to be a feedback mechanism of this is what's going well, this is what you can do even better. This person who I'm often having to say, slow your pace down, you know, follow the pacing first of your client, get in sync with them and then begin to shift that pacing, then begin to lead in that new direction. Or maybe here's this one, I'd, I point out it's where inside of WorkSmart NLP, when I'm teaching that, here's where just a little bit of a shift in terms of how we can ask questions in the meta model changes everything. Where, specific example, you're in the submodality work and someone might be looking at like a checklist of the submodalities, the individual building blocks of reality, and they might be asking, are there sounds? And they get a no. However, by changing the way the question is asked, we can get a much better feed. Basically, the strategy is, the classic pace, 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 bleed. So I'm going to be pacing back the information I've already obtained. So in a submodality experience. So as you're aware of that uh, warm feeling in your chest with that blue color and that pulsating sensation, go inside of that feeling and now become aware of the sounds. Where are those sounds coming from? And suddenly now they go from the left side of my head. So we're guiding them into the experience. It's where the catchphrase inside of WorkSmart NLP is stop being a hypnotist. Uh, they're suggesting too many things as opposed to letting the client really drive this organic experience. And as you do this, what do you notice now? And as you do that, what do you notice now? As opposed to, and as you take that blue warm feeling with the sound coming from the left and move that into this place here, here's what you begin to notice and here's what you begin to expect. No, <laughs> let the client have the experience. And this is something that really comes from that continuous feedback instead of this solo learning. So yes, there's no, there's no thing that trades out entirely the live training experience, being in the room. Okay, you see when you're doing the Dave Elman induction, you're putting your hand in front of the eyes for the fractionation. Try your hand over here. Now, if you're using that other arm, you can't see their eyes. You need to use this arm so you can see the line of vision to their eyes and see they're actually letting the eyes open and close. These little nuances that, you know, as there's many of us who put out digital products, digital training, but some of the nuances, the hands-on experience, and it's where to focus that learning towards that continuous feedback. So no, the, uh, the, the training practice is not the time for the instructor to go catch up on their admin. Uh, that's what I use my lunchtime for. It's instead to actually take that experience and monitor that practice, give that feedback, try it this little way. Put this word in there instead. Uh, you know, moments where as much as I'm not a script-based instructor to point out, okay, well, in this moment, you're adding a lot of extra stuff that needs to be there. And the pattern that was transcribed in my book is the sanded down only essential words you need. So do the practice session again 
but pick up the book when you get to that section just to refresh the memory of those words. Which again, this is where having that instructor who is not just moved from learning it themselves to teaching it others, the one who really is, as I put it, that hypnotic worker. They've walked the walk. They've actually been out there. They've seen hundreds, if not thousands of clients, and they've got the actual street smarts of how the process works, how to make it more effective to actually give that continuous feedback mechanism which, take note, is not the intention of becoming the clone of the instructor. And my, my phrasing is this. It is the responsibility of the instructor to give the insane level of thinking that often goes into the nuances of how we work. This way, the student is able to build their own, their own style, their own approach as well. So with everything that we do, there's a need for that continuous feedback mechanism. And with that, here we go. The last and final point future of hypnosis training point number seven this is a bit of a shift perhaps a hybrid approach over single track learning hybrid approach over single track learning now this by no means is an original concept with me there's the uh, understanding that very often even in colleges and some master's programs the concept of a reversed classroom where the hands-on time in the room is more valuable now because think about this, some of the lecture content that comes from a training. There's some who would argue that it's not quality unless you're in the room, which it's, no, that's changing. There are people, and I say this not just because I have hypnotic workers, which is my online hypnosis training. There are many others who have put out phenomenal online access training materials. There's Mike Mandel and Chris Thompson. There's Igor Letohosky. There's Inez Simpson's put a lot of her protocol online. I mentioned uh, the Jackwins with their arrow technique. Uh, Roy Hunter has his products available online. Uh, Jess Marion, Sean Carson, and uh, Sarah Carson. Uh, we're in an incredible renaissance where information can be learned at your fingertips. Information can be picked up. Uh, the work that Richard Nongard has done, the work that Scott Sandlin has done, the work that many others have done. We're at an amazing renaissance right now of information on demand, which first and foremost, here's a moment where I was trying to find a video clip of a DVD set that I've got. And it's like some sort of twisted game show with 12 DVDs. And of course, the last DVD I put in the player had the content that I wanted. So suddenly it's, hey, here's this integration moment of the arrow and how do I do that? Well, I didn't have to go through the entire VHS cassette tape. There's a reference to find it. I can go there right away. So should we be building our hypnosis trainings in such a way that recognizes the fact that here we are in the 21st century and things have changed? Now, take note. Remember I said for point number six, continuous feedback instead of solo learning. So yes, the live experience must be there in my honest opinion. However, it's time we start to fold in a hybrid approach. A hybrid approach where imagine this scenario. Here we are about to launch into the instruction of, let's make it simple, a Dave Elman induction. And the students already have seen a video of how that plays out. The students have already heard the basic history as to how the modeling of Bernheim into this moment and the way that the technique was sanded down to the essential elements to become the three-minute routine. And suddenly now in the classroom, I could spend five, 10 minutes refreshing those bullet points and then let's jump out and practice this. So it's where this does expedite the training. So again, this is a moment where quality moves over quantity. So here's an example where I fold in hypnotic age regression into my trainings. And if I'm doing a weekend-based format class in between the live modules, hey, go inside of my students, get access to hypnotic workers. I, I built that digital resource originally to supplement my trainings and then suddenly found, oh, wait, other hypnotists want this. And now there's several hundred people all around the world interacting inside of hypnoticworkers.com. So I can be self-referential now, not for the purpose of shortening my time, but for the benefit that, hey, watch this full real hypnosis session that's inside of the digital content. And then when we're back together next week, next weekend, we're going to unpack that session, talk about what, what I did and how I did it, reintroduce those techniques, and then jump into practice. 
So it's where we can split this benefit in such a way that, yes, of course, build in some sort of mechanism so it's clear the students have actually interacted with the hybrid content. So a mixture of the live and the digital. So this experience that we can begin to round out our training across multiple modalities rather than single track learning. So it's time we update the thinking that it only counts if you're in the room live. And I'd give amazing plugs to other people's content. Of course, I've got my own as well. Yet, as I interact with the people who have gone through, for example, the Mike Mandel Hypnosis Academy, uh, I meet some incredibly skilled, compassionate, ethical, effective people. And these are folks that are also doing trainings elsewhere. They're also taking other workshops. They're not falling prey to that absolutism. It's where being... Uh, uh, Captain repurposing, as I've often been deemed, where I'm filming everything I do and making use of it and plugging this business workshop into hypnotic business systems, uh, this new meetup event into hypnotic workers, and some of these workshops fold into my digital content. It's where I often am telling my students, um, hey, should I? They're asking me, hey, you're doing a workshop on this at this convention. Should I come to that? And with full respect, I tell them, you, you already have uh, hypnotic business systems, and I'm going to fold that content in there, so you'll get the video later. Go see this person's workshop. Go see that person's workshop. Notice again, this is building a greater community. This is building that breakout of that hypnosis bubble virus that's often out there, that this one track of learning is the way to do it. So hybrid approach doesn't just mean digital and live though I think that's the direction so much of this ought to go because there's some lecture content, there's some reading content that, again, doesn't have to be live in the room for it to be effective. In fact, I was hearing too much of the it's not as good if it's online. It's not as good if it happens online. You need to be in the room for it to really matter. And as I built some of the content that I share online, the premise was how do I make it work even better? by not having to be there live? Or really, how do I make it a different experience in addition to the live? So it's where, here's some examples. Inside of Hypnotic Workers, here's this one technique that I do that's kind of a combination of different NLP strategies meshed together into one, and you're able to watch it, but you're not just able to watch it, you're able to watch like six demonstrations of it. So you can see how it's been modified for different issues, different outcomes. So there's a benefit that you don't get that in the room because it'd be kind of ridiculous to be in a class and go, let's do this demo six times with six different people. Instead, that's something that someone can go back and reference once again. Here's an element where, you know, this was a longer lecture at one point and I'm able to reference back and say, you know, listen to the pre-talk uh, podcast before we jump into class on this day. And suddenly now we all have the same common language. Hypnotic vocabulary. This is a place where I do a hybrid approach, where here's this hour and a half long video where I go line by line through vocabulary, which is a little bit book learning more than I'd like to do, yet the benefit becomes suddenly it's day one of the class and we all have the same common language. You know, and inside of that, we can then go back and reference some of the key terms that need further uh, explanation. Uh, my catchphrase in that segment is, it's unfortunate that we end up spending half of the amount of time in this vocab process on the first word, because the first word is often ab reaction, and that's a whole dialogue. So hybrid learning rather than single track learning, this also refers back to the wonderful message from Michael Elner, learn from people who disagree with each other. So to share resources, it's where uh, I teach the Dave Elman induction the way that I do it, and here's a video of someone else doing it in a different way. So to really round out that education so there's options, so there's flexibility, so there's confidence, though I see a real shift in the future of hypnosis training, this combination style of learning. So we're able to pack even more quality into the quantity of hours that are already there. And so as I've shared these themes, notice that for the most part, these are recommendations. These are nudges and encouragements in terms of where things can go. And thankfully, 
Thankfully, the beautiful thing is this. I've actually, as I'm looking over this content here, there are many groups out there that have begun to move things in these directions. This opportunity to split how we learn the information, this opportunity to add more quality, more context-based learning into the applications of it. So it's where this was not shared to criticize any one or any other specific organization or training program. It's instead to think about it as ourselves. What is it that we can do as instructors? What is it we can do even as students to begin to enhance this learning process? I'd give you a learning strategy that I personally make use of, which is that if I've signed up for this person's course and they've got a book, I'm going to read the book before I go. And it's not for the sake of uh, already knowing it and being the really skilled person in the room. No, it's because now there's that hybrid style of learning. Now I've got the frame of reference. Now I can look for the nuances. Now I can look for those little minute details that make this an even more effective process. So both from the perspective of the student, from the perspective of the instructor, and even from the, inspect from the perspective of this entire community, let's move our hypnosis trainings into the future. Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program. Thank you for sharing it on your social media streams, leaving your feedback online. And I encourage you to reach out to me on this one. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your perspectives on these themes and bullet points that I mentioned here. I'd also encourage you to hang out with me live. I've got some upcoming trainings coming your way. First of all, there's Work Smart NLP. It's an intensive course specifically aimed at the street smarts of the process rather than the book learning. This is the most hands-on course that I do, and as much information as I publish online, there's a reason this course is still mostly a live offering, because more than half the time is hands-on practice. Actually, head over to WorksmartNLP.com, and you'll see there's a testimonial from a student of mine, Megan, who gives the warning, if you like the class where you're sitting in a room behind a table and just discussing ideas, this is not for you. It's extremely hands-on, and it's all about building the confidence and competency in these skills so you can put them into use. And then from there, also check out WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. That's my live hypnosis training and certification course, which, again, covers the material we're meant to cover, though inside of it applies in that contextual point of view, this ability to workshop the session process and actually gives you the strategies necessary to get out there and start seeing people as well. I'd mention often as I teach this course, yes, it's often a lot of new people, though in addition to that, I also get those folks who have already trained somewhere else and perhaps don't yet have the confidence to jump into their skills, don't yet have that readiness to actually put this stuff to use. As we think differently in terms of how this information is presented, again, we can cover the quantity of what we're supposed to teach, but address a higher quality of how the information is then shared. So check out those two offerings, WorkSmartNLP.com, as well as WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com.